for the evening talk is dealing with negative emotions. Sometimes one could rather uh, understandably in a situation like this come to uh, a conclusion really that the primary focus of the meditation is directly concerned with awareness of breathing or awareness of the body and certainly within the context of the instructions there is much necessary and appropriate uh, emphasis in that area but the texts, the Buddhist texts and the teachings have uh, stated with great frequency the significance and the importance of the emotional life and the influence of it upon ourselves and the world that we live in. <clears throat> in the first period of the afternoon Ashada gave a loving-kindness meditation and one can uh, speak of that as a feeling, a heart, an emotional uh, response to some of the pain and difficulties that we observe and experience in the world and uh, in our own life. And with the feeling life and the emotional life, as I mentioned, the great frequency that it's uh, referred to is because of its great significance of its place in our life and the way that we experience life. What that means from a situation such as the one that we are in here, that there's no telling the time and the moment when anything in life might bear its fruit, so to speak. So that, in other words, one might be wholeheartedly committed and with all that firmness of intention and dedication to be with the present, to have that focus and clarity of mind upon the object of interest, the breath, the body, the here and now, or whatever. And in and amidst all of that focus and all of that interest, there are other forces at work which we can't predict nor organize nor arrange. And at any time in our experience, they can arise, surface, and become the overwhelming experience of the moment, of the hour, of the day. And it's a ripening which is not, as it were, in the control of self. The self may not like it, not want it. It comes unwelcome, unwanted, uninvited. And one realizes, in a way, a certain powerlessness of self and makes somewhat of a joke, rather perhaps poor cosmic joke, but nevertheless a joke about I can make choices in my life. And there's nothing like a good old negative emotion which is surfacing to actually blow that little piece of uh, human mythology away. So the day passes 
by the hours, the moments of one's experience uh, passed by, it would appear we have a, a moderate degree of ability to organize our heart and mind in the moment. But then, as I say, comes suffering, comes some instigation, one knows not where nor how, into the condition of the present, influencing fairly dramatically in some cases what our experience of life is, and we are faced with it. The range of negative emotions and the difficulties that go uh, with it can and do include, of course, fear, common enough, um, anxiety, aggression, hostility, negativity, hatred, uh, revenge, um, anger, jealousy, envy, all manner of states of mind and many others as well, of course. And all the judging, hostile, aggressive judging directed towards oneself or others or life or whatever, and we can find and experience ourselves, so to speak, drowning in these experiences, completely identified and caught up with all the kind of reactive patterns that feed it um, again and again. What we also experience with the wave of uh, negative uh, emotions that arise is that, generally speaking, they do have a relationship to time. Time meaning the three fields here, either past or present or future or more of one or of the other or all of them simultaneously. And there is a reaction. It's involved in the things of time and one is caught up in those things of time and it acts as a kind of pressure and a burden upon oneself. We say, and we can say to ourselves with um, monotonous regularity that the meditator's mind would say, oh, I should just observe this. Uh, I should just witness this. I should just see this coming and going. I should just uh, let it go. I should be less attached. I should accept this. I should see it as a teaching. Um, I should see it as a cosmic event, etc. It's just the self. That's another popular one. It will pass, or I will pass. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this intensity of the drama which is taking place within. And then there are a whole range of responses which flower and emerge in some attempt, often vain attempt and hopeless one, to try to deal with something through a strategy. To say to all this wave that one is burdened with and suffering with and, and all, all the difficulty of it and, and, and the emotional life that they're including grief and sorrow and, and rejection and hurt and abuse and all, all of that as well which can trigger inside that we can look, understandably enough, for some tool 
which will be the solution to the manifestation of this painful emotion. And we can try one thing for one moment and then we'll perhaps can try some, something else and we'll try to get some advice or whatever. And all of that can make some contribution, it might be a small one, to alleviating the situation. But sometimes when we're really honest with ourselves, it's as though in the bearing of the fruit of things that it has its own cycle. And the self, the I, the my, the me, doesn't really have that degree of choice and that degree of authority over the situation to be able to bring it to a fast and satisfactory conclusion. And sometimes we do need, I think, to be extremely honest with ourselves. And it's not easy, particularly in painful emotion. To be honest with ourselves that here is some fruit which is bearing upon us. And it will go its own rhythm. It will take its own kind of course. And somehow or other, with all the identification that goes with it, with the absorption into it that goes, the struggle which is part of it that goes, can we, as it were, live it through? And if miraculously some method and some technique and some form and some strategy and some assistance from other and some counselling and some meditation and some therapy helps it, <laughs> well, just think one has been blessed by God for the, the support that has emerged inwardly and outwardly, but never to underestimate the, the potency and sometimes the ferocity of the surfacing and the experience of intensely painful negative emotion that is going on. And that's the support networks, inwardly and outwardly, of course, one must never um, undermine or underestimate the, the, the profound and supportive significance which can act as an invaluable framework for working with the negative um, emotion. But I do say, in the realism of these situations as well, they have a cycle there as well. In our experience, again, of the negative emotions that uh, take, take place. When it's related to time, past, present, or, or future, aggression, fear, rage, anger, envy, jealousy, sorrow, upset, whatever, that when the, there is the experience of that, it's not unusual in the very midst of it, when one is embroiled in it, that the thought life is still operating and it operates significantly. And the thought life, one of the constant thoughts which do arise is, why am I going through this? Why has this happened to me? Where did this come from? What's the, the, the root of all of this? What's the background? What's the history? Why am I like this? Etc., etc. And that 
thought and that question which enters into the intensity of the negative emotion does have a validity to it. It does show that in the struggle, when is trying to make um, rhyme and reason of it, one is desperately sometimes trying to understand what one is going through in relationship to a situation. But simply the indicator and the wish to understand through why am I like this in the midst of the nightmare? Where has this come from? Just because of the question doesn't mean to say that, that therefore there's the answer. There's no assurance that a question of concern and the struggle to know and understand something will provide the solution and the answer just from the question itself. And the tendency which arises is that when the question arises, why am I like this? Where does it come from? The tendency which goes with it is the past. To the past. To what happened. It's a further intimation that one is trying to get to grips with something and, it, and the conclusion can come the stronger the intensity of the emotion, therefore, the further into the past it goes. May not be true. That may not, there may not be, in fact, any historical accuracy to this viewpoint. There's a thought, there's the question, there's the viewpoint, and there's the conclusion, why am I like this? The strength of it was the thoughts tends to give confirmation for some people, oh, the stronger it is, the further into the past that it goes. But that, that life isn't like that. It may be. And for some, therefore, there is a very appropriate and skillful necessity in life, in the exposure to intensity of emotion, to somehow unravel, not easy, the so-called relative, relative cause-effect relationship. I am like this. My question, why am I like this? Am I like, well, what has happened in the past, near or far past, which has contributed to me to experiencing this intensity of emotion? And thus, for some, the tracking of the process from one day to the next, or year to the next, or uh, period of one's life into the next, becomes a valid and useful way of steering the attention to understand why things come to bear to fruit. Why effects come. And there are many skillful ways which you are familiar with more than I probably in this area. But in some traditions, and in this one, the pastor's content is not the reference point. And one has uh, sometimes a dramatically um, sh different shift of looking. Not superior, not better, not more developed or whatever, but a different order of dealing with the most intense emotions of one's existence. And one of the 
points, in this case uh, from the Buddha, and uh, that's handed down over these last, uh, uh, whatever, two and a half thousand years, which, as I commented to somebody else today, is the equivalent to the blink of an eyelid in Earth terms, that the Buddha said, do not ask oneself what I was in the past, how I was in the past, the way that I was in the past, who I was in the past. Do not ask oneself this question. Now that sometimes statement can go in the face and in stark contrast to the exposure to intensity of experiences, the very thought which arises which says, well, I need to know, I need to understand why I'm like this. Or, as one person was uh, commenting, that, that there is a sense that one hasn't really comprehended or understood the relationship to past to present. If there is such a relationship of past to present. If there is such a relationship. And so, sometimes one receives, in a situation like this, a completely different message. No interest in what I was. No interest in where I come from. No interest in how it was. No interest in, interest in what happened to me in the past. And even if one says, okay, let me explore if that could have any relevance, it won't stop the question arising in the midst of the intensity of the emotion. Questions still arise, how is it, why am I like this? How is it like I'm like this, etc. Still moving to the past. But if one says, okay, let me drop the past, then what am I going to do? That even my question of trying to get some handle on the situation. With the negative emotion, a fair amount of it which does arise, usually, not always, Sometimes it's very raw and can be sometimes particularly vicious, as we know. Usually it arises in relationship to a content. There's a story to it. There's an event in one's life. That event, as I said, could be past, present or future. A lot of anger or rage or fear or whatever the uh, form of the emotion that's arising. And in that, the perception, sorry, the feeling, the emotion, which is the intensification of feelings, in this case um, unpleasant feelings, feeds into the story. It colors it, it distorts it, it projects it, it builds it up, it, 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 it contributes to making the drama. And as I said, one can say to oneself, mantra-like, I shouldn't be doing this, I should be letting go, etc. Do you think the emotions are going to take any notice? Of course they're not. So it, it arises and it feeds into the story. And one can feel very upset, very afraid, very hurt, very full of rage or desire for revenge or whatever. Feeding into it. And when it's feed, feeding, into, feeding into it, with all the reactivity and blame that can accompany it, usually we're looking for some change from somewhere often from somebody else. And 
we can't quite get the handle with ourselves that the content is not that is something which doesn't matter to the same degree as the emotion does. We actually we're actually fixed sometimes addictively with the content of the situation, with the picture, with the story, with the image, with the thought. And we say to ourselves, if this situation around me changed, I would feel better. We don't put it quite so crudely and bluntly, but that's what we're telling ourselves. If this situation would be better, I would get relief from my negative emotions. I would feel more content, I'd feel more positive, I'd feel more loved or more supported or whatever. And, I, and one is saying, I need the content to change. Maybe it will, and maybe it won't. It's in the hands of the gods. <laughs> so the content issue. So we become somewhat fixated with the content. And we forget that in the relationship to intensity of emotional uh, situations, we need to examine, and it's no easy task at all, what kind of relationship can undergo a change in all of this? What is the potential and the possibility within the situation where there's an emotion impacting on the story, on the content. And when we keep saying to ourselves, it's just the content which needs to change, if that's the primary interest, what is going to change the content? Sitting here on one's ass, frankly, laying a number on somebody, is not going to change the content. And easily, that can be taken place. I would say as much as loving-kindness has been generated out of the Insight Meditation Dharma Hall for the past 20 years, probably a lot more negativity, blame, rejection, rage, aggression, <laughs> etc. And if as much loving-kindness had come out of IMS as anger and aggression, I think this world would have been transformed by now. <laughs> so in the reaction which comes, and we sit and walk with it, we indulge in it in all, 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 the, all the ways, there's a kind of forlorn hope really, that by just griping and grousing on and negative and hostile and being bitter and angry and blaming, that somehow that will change the situation. Then one asks oneself, oh my God, what am I doing? What's the root of it? And the root then becomes looking for some, looking to the past, but in fact, the root of it is 
the hostility, the blame, the anger, the aggression, the rage. When one is experiencing that, one is with the root. That is it. There's nothing under that root. That's it. So, to, to bring the in sense of being in touch with the negative emotions and the uh, way that it is showing itself, I want to say, the feeling element pouring, literally pouring into the content needs to be obviously addressed. It needs to be addressed much more, as friends and many uh, psychotherapy friends have pointed out uh, with um, great accuracy, I would say, much more addressed in these uh, circles. In other words, that what is going on with our feeling life in the midst of these circumstances needs a great deal of care and attention. And that in a way, we do need to be alert that when we sit and, we, and to connect and know what is one feeling right now? What is, it, what, what is being felt right now? What is being felt in the walking? so that we don't, as it were, keep drifting out, drifting away from the depth of our feeling life into our mental life, into our spaced out life, into our daydreamy life, into our content life, or whatever. Because all of that is being informed and influenced by the feeling. Is it any wonder that the Buddha said, the world comes together in feelings? The world, he says, comes together in feelings. So, sometimes, in all of this, movement of the emotion, negative emotion, for still for a moment, which is taking place, I suspect when there's a strong pattern of it showing itself, and one is in the wave of it, there's a certain helplessness there. It's just going on its cycle. And hopefully supportive and caring, protective environments allow one to go through that, hopefully without being destructive either to oneself or to other. In the movement of that which is occurring and our uh, uh, intensity of the experience that goes with it, the end of the wave matters critically critically because no matter how strong a wave of negativity or reaction um, might be and how much one is inflamed inside of oneself it can't last of itself it, it, it is a wave and any wave in the human emotion has to rise and fall of course one can be extraordinarily vulnerable in the intensity of a wave. One can bring incredible harm and damage to one's own existence or to another's through being absolutely lost in a negative wave of aggression or emotion or whatever. But in the subsidence of that wave, what's left, and I say what's left is the critical. It's as critical as the emotion itself because what's left can be a kind of residue of raw, bare standpoint of a view. The intensity has gone out. The drama of the emotion 
has gone out. But the unpleasant or negative feeling is there in its quiet form and it's attached itself in a fixed way to a particular position. And that position then becomes the determining point of the relationship with another person, the situation, with oneself, with life, or whatever. So the wave of drama has gone out, but one is left with this residue, and one can carry this residue around for the whole of one's existence. It brutalizes one's own existence, and it certainly brutalizes life. And is it any wonder that one sees in this world, again and again, ferocious, what you and I would consider, ferocious acts of brutality and insensitivity, and we say to ourselves, how could somebody do that? How could somebody behave like that, treat somebody like that, treat themselves like that, and have no emotion? Because the emotion has gone out, as you and I, with no emotion and feeling, and what the person is left with is a residue of hardened view supported by uh, a negative feeling which acts like glue on that hardened viewpoint. And therefore I say the result of, the effect of, matters because that's what we'll carry. Because, and we can carry that morning, noon and night. It can influence us in um, relationship terms, political terms, economic terms, social terms, life terms, global terms, interpersonal terms. The it can be harming all the way through existence because that went unexamined. And sometimes we are sadly meeting people who have hardened themselves to life. And say, God, this person is so cold. This person has no passion. This person has no sensitivity or whatever. They're so hard. And have such a cruel perception of life. They don't seem to have any emotion, any feeling. The feeling is there, but the feeling is a negative feeling substantiated through the clinging and the identification with the viewpoints. Therefore I say, be watchful of the wave, but equally be watchful of what happens in the end of that wave. And how easily in the end of that wave we can carry it and we Somebody has hurt us or harmed us, past or present or whatever. And then we just look at that person through the residue. Through the residue. A friend of mine, she told me just last week, she went to her sister's wedding. The mother and father got divorced 15 or 20 years ago. The mother and father went to the wedding big wedding, father gave the bride away, big celebration afterwards, the mother and father didn't say a single word to each other, didn't even let, she, my friend told me, didn't even let their eyes refuse to have a meeting point at their own daughter's wedding. And I said, that's not unusual, that's not uncommon. Emotion has gone, negative feeling is still there in the view. Dharma life, spiritual life, has no, gives not one drop of support to that viewpoint. Never, never, never. And the potency of like Bishada's loving kindness meditation 
is to dissolve that view, is to dissolve that holding about anybody and anything in this world. It's a, it's a Dharma responsibility, a Dharma awareness in life. The world cannot live and exist and coexist with human beings holding on to the effect of in its residue form, as I just pointed out to you. So in that, we come into a situations uh, like this and we explore it and, and it needs our care and our vigilance and our awareness with, with, with these things so that the rise and fall of emotion is acknowledged and what might, might come afterwards is also acknowledged as well. And then, therefore, we ask ourselves in the time-honored spiritual tradition, am I holding on to anything which is tainted with a negative position towards anything or anyone in life? Am I holding on? And is it influencing the way that I look? Is it, in, is it breeding that quiet, insidious resentment? Is it nurturing cynicism? Is it harboring thoughts of revenge? All those are the whispers and the intimations that one is still wrapped around the viewpoint and justifying it. Why? Because one hasn't got the heart to look at it properly. And here we're trying to find the heart to look at things afresh. We may say, looking, listening into ourselves and into these situations, that in the experience of these situations, is one endeavoring in some way or other to posit, which one is not, but to posit a kind of positive view of life and circumstances, to see good where there is ill, to see what is nice and ripe and positive and evolutionary or whatever, where there's corruption and uh, unsatisfactoriness. And it, and it isn't to substitute negativity with positivity. Teachings are a non-dual teaching. And therefore, when we say, let's look into the pattern of holding and the fixations that can emerge from that ho holding and have no appetite in one's cellular life for holding in any form, it's not that the thought is replaced or the view with positivity. It isn't. It's not replaced with something. It's an awareness and a receptivity and a wisdom towards life. And we need to be extraordinarily vigilant in our life about the positive. Not to underestimate the corrupting potency of positivity. Look at many things in our life where there hasn't been that backdrop of genuine wisdom and clarity in our life. And we've become incredibly positive about something, someone, some place, some situation, or whatever. And we've built up an aura, a mystique of positivity about something, or someone, or some place, or whatever. 
It's building a house of cards. It's building a nightmare. And how in the content upon which we have built, some tiny event happens. The person says goodbye is a popular one. <laughs> and one hasn't realized the degree and the frequency that the positivity has been built up. Because within the tone of the positivity, there's invariably expectation. Within the field of positivity, there's invariably sense of continuity, a liking for more. All of that's reasonably natural, reasonably organic. But without wisdom, it's sowing the seeds for despair. Without wisdom. And sometimes people say, oh God, my life is so up and down. What's up and down? The swing between positivity and negativity. Where is the wisdom? People say, my life, it just seems I go from one extreme to the other. What's extremes? Positivity, negativity. And one says, oh my God, does it mean to say that I've got to become a kind of neutral whatever the word is. <laughs> I kind of had no positivity, no negativity or whatever in, in my life. But to see the infiltration of the feeling life upon content in a building manner. And now how one has situations like the small example that I gave. Two people met each other they loved each other. They lived, to, lived together. They had children together. They did this, that, and the other, etc., etc., etc. Could either of them ever have forecast that in years ahead they could go to their daughter's wedding and absolutely ignore each other and make sure that their eyes had no contact? Who could have forecast of them could have forecast that. Tragic, tragic gap in human relationship. And thus wisdom itself is that which has the capacity to embrace that duality. And thus one's interest for life and passion for life and enthusiasm for life and inquir inquiry inquiry in, into life might, as it were, communicate from us a positivity about life or a love of life. And that one sees in the women and men that we have much love and respect for on this earth. But it always it needs to be and must be tempered with wisdom. Otherwise, one is going along a road which goes from heaven to hell. A road from heaven to hell. So wisdom takes an interest in the feeling life, takes an interest in its, in its movement and in its manifestation. And 
an interest which is intimate with it, not cold and distant and detached and um, removed and remote from. But we look at it and we see with those negative emotions or the positive ones anything which we are harboring afterwards, after the wave. We may not be able to feel clear through the negative wave. We may feel upset and overwhelmed and caught up and drowning in that and we may just have to pass through that, as I was saying. But afterwards, what about afterwards? How is that for, for, for us? And wisdom also must include, of course, in our non-selfness, as I said at the beginning of the talk, um, in all of this, the awareness that sometimes we don't have the wisdom to deal with what we call our own mind. We don't have enough clarity, we don't have enough wisdom, enough insight, enough, enough understanding. And to imagine and think that wisdom, which is truth, the truth which deals with life, is all inside of me, whoever the me is, is really living up the creek. And one needs to recognize and acknowledge that there are people in this world who have more wisdom than we do. And to listen to people with wisdom and connect with people with wisdom and maybe miraculously a little bit of wisdom will rub off on us and, 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 and we might even find a little bit in our own life. There are miracles. So, again, a certain humility in life allows one to take one a way of being which one isn't saying all truth lies inside of me. Human beings just get into disaster areas with that clinging to that kind of thought. And yet neither swinging to the other extreme in this negativity, positivity movement which says, oh God, there's no truth inside of me, there's no wisdom inside of me, I'm just a absolutely hopeless, useless human being, I should never have been born. And then swing to the other and then begin elevating with huge positivity some other person who becomes one's guru or some other distraction. And that movement back and forth and not realizing that it's positivity, negativity that's going on. That's what's going on. And it's taking a form called self and other. Self and other is somewhat secondary to this swinging back and forward between the positivity and the negativity. So I say we explore these things together, we see, the, uh, to repeat myself, the wave arise and the wave, wave pass. See what we do with, with, with that. See what the, the, what the feeling is and the state of awareness is afterwards. And to be honest with ourselves, afterwards, are we holding? Are we holding? And our awarenesses and all of these matters and, and these uh, explorations, in a way, is the raw material for the wisdom. The, more, the raw material for 
um, an understanding in life. And in that understanding, it brings its own joy, brings its own contentment in life, its own peace with life. And if we take great interest, as I say, in feelings and, and emotional life and acknowledge it, its place through our interest in all of that, then wisdom will give support to it. And then we'll have heaven without hell. We'll have peace without rage. We'll have love without hate. Because we've found a steadiness in life and that steadiness will be that wisdom which reveals truth. May all beings see into life. May all beings see deeply into themselves. May all beings live with a heart filled with wisdom. Let's have a couple of quiet minutes, shall we please? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.